one week till Christmas. <laughs> uh, are we excited? Did that stress you out a little bit? Like all of, all of the above. So uh, we're here. We're in the Christmas season. I am excited to be celebrating here with you. My name is Chris, one of the pastors here at Kesed. Before we jump in, I just wanted to share, this is literally the first time uh, Christmas service in like 13 years that Pastor Danny's had to miss. Most of us have been or know someone in the last season that has been sick. And that's Pastor Danny with the flu right now uh, and lost his voice. And that's the one thing you just can't push through like when you're preaching. And so I'm honored to be a part of this Sunday with you all. And this is a, what we call uh, Red Envelope Sunday, which is a Christmas tradition at Kesed. Um, exciting one. And, and what I want to do is spend a little bit of time later kind of painting a picture as to what that is and how we celebrate it and why we celebrate it. Um, but I'm excited to do so. But so before we do so, though, I want to just recap. If you're first time here, welcome. We've been in a series called What Can I Bring, right? And it's this idea of we want to be people that not just do acts of generosity occasionally, but live lives of generosity, right? That might seem like a small shift, but it's actually quite a big one, where our entire posture of our lives is being generous. And so we've been having a conversation for the last few months over this holiday season. We'll continue that conversation here today. And here's what I want to do. I want to start it with a statement, right? A statement as we look at the Christmas story, as we zoom into it, into it right? And here's the statement. How we as Christians read the Christmas story interpret the Christmas story, tell the Christmas story, and live the Christmas story matters, All right? I want to say it again. How we as Christians read the Christmas story, interpret the Christmas story, take what we read, learn it, tell the Christmas story, and live the Christmas story matters. And what a profound story it is. One full of twists and turns and plots and subplots, in it, there are surprising characters that take leading roles in the telling of the story, ones that would surprise us. And I believe that is not by accident, but rather a purposeful and intentional decision by God. So today, what I want to do is sort of hover around the story of the birth of Jesus. And what I want to do is both tell the story, notice the story, right? But I also want us to notice with intentionality how the story is told. Like how God used people, the intentionality behind that so we can see his heart in the midst of it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to zoom all the way back some 2,700 years ago where a word is spoken concerning this story. A prophecy is shared about how it would come to be. Isaiah 7:14 says this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us, right? And there is this message that comes that resonates in the people that are longing to know God, be with him, that you will know there will be evidence of this. When the virgin gives birth and that God is with us amongst his people. And so there was waiting and longing. And this word resonated deeply. And I want to I for a second kind of talk about that idea of resonating. Right? This word resonate means to continue to produce a loud, clear, and deep sound for a long time. 
See, what God does resonates. What God does resonates. If you've ever had an experience with God, with the love of God, if you've ever been loved by another person that so their love so clearly is a manifestation of him in this world, you know that there's an initial experience of that love, right? And then there's this beautiful thing that happens. It stays with you, right? And even this telling of the story has its own power. It doesn't lose its power. It resonates. It continues. This word resonated in the people, right? And they hoped and they longed for this God that would come. But I don't know if you're anything like me, I've had experience in my life where there's something I hope and I long for for a long time and I don't see it come to fruition. So I'm kind of holding this hope and I don't know if I even expect this to happen anymore. Right? And so 700 years goes by, but this hope stays resonating in the people and then all of a sudden things start to happen. The story begins to unfold. See, in Luke chapter 1, we are introduced to Zechariah and Elizabeth, a priest and his wife, who have never been able to have a child. The story tells us that they are advanced in age, which is a really kind of just creative accounting way of calling someone old, right? (laughs) And when Zechariah is visited by the angel, he tells him that they will have a child and that they are to name this child John, which means God is gracious, right? Setting this foundation for who God is. This God will help declare this truth about him. And this angel says, and he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord, right? It's a beautiful story. The things are starting to happen. Now, one of the things I want to highlight as we talk about the Christmas story, as many of these characters are larger than life, we've been telling this story for a long time. And I just want to remind us that these are real human beings, right? Very real human beings that are experiencing these things in real time. And even one of my favorite parts is that in this part of the story, when, when the angel comes and comes to Zechariah, and the Bible tells us that they are advanced, he and his wife are advanced in age, and translation, they're not worried about getting pregnant, right? This is not something that they've longed for this, but they're not expecting that it will happen. And the Angel comes and says, it's going to happen. And this really beautiful, very, I think the most like husbandly uh, statement I've ever seen in the entire Bible happens. And, and I, I relate to this because if this happened to me, I would have questions, right? I, like, I don't know about you, maybe you're blind trusters and you could teach me how to do that. But I often, even in these times, have some questions about what God's doing and I want more clarity probably than I need, right? And so Zechariah kind of goes, he's confused and he goes, well, I'm old, and my wife's advanced in age, right? Do you, see, do you hear the husband like, I'm old, right? And my wife is advanced in age. She's not old. She's just advanced in age. It's a different category here, right? But you see the human part of this wrestling through, can I trust the promises of God? I want some evidence as to know that this thing is going to happen. And all the t- while, under the surface, God is making things happen, whether we see it or know it at all. So things start to happen in the story. And this same angel Gabriel then visits a young girl named Mary, who just so happens to be a relative of Elizabeth. And he tells her that she will conceive of a son, even though she is unmarried and a virgin, and that this son is to be named Jesus. 
And the angel says that he will be very great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. This powerful word hits Mary and resonates inside of her. And she miraculously becomes pregnant. And this angel then visits her fiancé Joseph and reassures him because if you have a fiancé and they become pregnant and you're aware that you weren't part of that process, there's some reassuring that's necessary. (laughs) And the angel comes and reassures him that God is working through all of this and he takes Mary as his wife. And nine months goes by. And then another wrinkle is thrown in. See, just before the birth of their son, word came down that the couple had to leave their home in Nazareth in the northern highlands of Galilee to register for a Roman census. The unwanted foreign uh, people that are running things, the authorities in the land, have has spread the word that we want to count the people. We want to get a clear accounting of who is there. And there is no grace inside of that, whether you're pregnant or not. Right? You need to return to your hometown so that we can count you accordingly. And so these two are told that they have to travel 90 miles to the city of Joseph's ancestors to go south along the flatlands of the Jordan River, then west over the hills surrounding Jerusalem and on into Bethlehem. I want to remind you of these are humans, right? If anyone here has been pregnant, sorry, or been a part of a pregnancy, is nine months pregnant the time to travel? No. If you got word when you're nine months pregnant, would you want to go anywhere, right? That's not, this is not good news at this moment. Actually, I was having a conversation with my wife about this this last week, about just the experience of being nine months pregnant, right? And uh, I was, we were looking through even some of our pictures, and I came across one that's one of my very favorite ones, and I absolutely asked her permission to be able to share this with you. And this is a picture of my wife at nine months pregnant, right? (laughs) This is... This is actually on my birthday, right before my son was born, okay? Uh, it is a tradition of ours to eat Tillamook mudslide uh, ice cream on my uh, birthday because that is my favorite um, ice cream, and it should be everyone's because it's the best ice cream out there, right? And so we can debate it later, but you're wrong, and, <laughs> right? But literally, this is what someone nine months pregnant should be doing, using their belly as a table for food because that's sacred and holy work, Right? No, we, we laugh, but then I'm, I'm trying to imagine, even in this point of our lives, being told that we even had to move our house. That would be stressful. But then to say, you have to travel by foot or donkey some 90 miles. There's not medical care readily available. It's just you. You, you weren't able to save and prepare for this trip. It's just you. You have to go. And they go. Now, the Bible doesn't paint a clear picture as to the experience they had on the journey, but we know that there was struggle and stress that happened. But they arrived at this new place. See, under normal circumstances, once they arrived, the pair would have expected to to find somewhere to stay, maybe a spare bedroom of a relative or another Jewish family. However, an overcrowded Bethlehem would have forced Joseph and Mary to seek lodging at a primitive inn. 
Yet, and we know this part of the story, when they seek a place to stay, they are told that there was no room for them. Go back to this human experience. These people are the main characters in the story that God is telling. Yet no one sees it. No one notices it. They don't see it because to everyone else, these are nobodies from nowhere. Why does their story matter more than anyone else's? We're all in need right now. Why does, even though she's pregnant, why should I give up my space for her? God is literally fulfilling a prophecy and a promise and no one knows that it's happening. And at this point in the story, we are in danger, right? We are in danger of the story that is happening, happening in just darkness. See, most likely this happened, the birth of the sun, in a cave surrounded by animals. Not a great place or a setting for a world-changing event. And the very act that would bring hope to this world is in danger of becoming overlooked, of not resonating. So at this point in history, as the birth is happening, I talked about the idea of resonating. The idea is that God does something and there's power in that. And then he has, in the telling of that story, there is further power. So we both, so the first part's happening. The baby is being born as, as was prophesied. The next thing we have to do is tell the story. So what is God's plan to spread the word about this momentous occasion? How will he make sure the story will resonate for generations to come so people like us will tell the story? Who will he use as central characters of the story that might receive the message of his kingdom breaking in? Well, Luke chapter 2 verse 8 pans the camera over to different characters, unlikely characters in the story. It says this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear, which is a very uh, understandable response if you're out in the middle of a field and angels show up in all their glory, right? And the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be, and I want you to not forget this part, for all the people. How many people? I'll I'll say it again. How many people? Okay. This is a truth I need us to carry forward. All right? This event happening is to be good news for all the people. Now, is that all the people here? No. Is that all the people in uh, our city or Clark County or our state? or our country, or our world, or everyone that's ever lived, all right? This is supposed to be good news for everyone. And this grand declaration happens to some shepherds out in a field. That's who is supposed to bring this to the world. Now let's talk about our friends, the shepherds. See, in Luke's version of the narratives about Jesus' birth, the author chooses to center an unlikely community to receive the first announcement of good news to all people. This was the community of shepherds living in the fields nearby. See, in Luke's society, socially, politically, and economically, shepherding filled one of the lowest occupational roles, and shepherds bore the brunt of their lower social location. They were considered untrustworthy, often not able to testify in courts. 
And their work, according to some then popular interpretations of the Torah, made them continually unclean. Now, this is not something we talk about a lot here, but basically that's the scarlet letter, friends. That's the one. Once you're seen as unclean, the, the um, people of faith are to separate from you. They are to avoid you, right? And you're no longer welcome in worship settings. See, these people were in daily contact with dirty, smelly sheep, their manure, blood from their cuts and scrapes, and the insects that buzzed around them. And all of this meant that shepherds were almost never clean enough to worship with God's people in God's presence. So they were generally treated as outsiders. And the only reason that shepherds had any significance was because sheep were a valuable commodity, especially as it got closer to Passover when many lambs would be sacrificed in the temple. So see that translation. Society said to these shepherds, your value lies in what you can do for us. And yet the Christmas story has another thing to say about them. It declares that their value is seen apart from from what they can do for the community. You have value. You were a part of what this, this good news. And we're going to declare it to you. And the angel says to them, again, don't miss this. You're, you're out in a dark field, right? And this happens, and this happens to you. It says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to think at this moment they're listening and they're overwhelmed with this and it hits them that they said, he said, unto you. And there's really human moments like, unto, unto me? Like, how is that birth related to me? How is that thing that seems to be happening in obscurity, those nobodies from nowhere, how does that relate to me? And the angel goes on. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Don't miss what happened there. The story resonated in them, and then it resonated from them. Right? They experienced God. They experienced his blessing, they experienced his fulfilling of promises, and they could not keep that inside as unqualified as they would be. The story, they went out and spread the story. This is who God chose to share the story. Not, not find the most articulate person in the, in the land and, and send them from town to town. No, no, we found the unqualified. See, God loves doing this. All throughout scripture, God has chosen to cast people from the margins of society into leading roles. And that is never more evident than in the Christmas story. And this is the story that reminds us that God is working in and through places that we do not see or expect, but also that we are invited into those places to both give and receive generously. See, the story whispers to us of the need for communities to prioritize the needs of the poor 
and the insignificant and the forgotten and the marginalized. These are the people who gathered at this lowly manger and dared to believe that the babe who lay there, this good news, could really belong to them. See, when you are a person who has experienced exclusion or pain or trauma, you are uniquely positioned to receive good news because you need it. And it's easy in this world to forget that we are always in need of good news. And those people are often forgotten. And yet those are the ones God pushes to the front of the story because they are the ones that can receive the good news. Now let's zoom back into our context for a second. Kesed is a 13-year-old church. I was blessed to be a part of this church from the very beginning. And early on, we, we planted this church, and we planted this church non-denominationally. And basically what that means is we weren't a part of another larger organization, a parent organization that gave us any funding. We used the pens from our junk drawers, right? That's what we did. We just started gathering and talking about Jesus, right? And we did that for like six months. We call that our soft launch. And we did a hard launch in October. And right after October, how fast did October become December, Right? And so we launched this church, and all of a sudden, we, it was really clear, like, Christmas is coming, and we are a brand new church, and we have zero traditions. That's a, imagine a reset in your world and family of traditions, right? And so we were like, what do we do? So we said, let's pray about that. Let's spend some time praying about that. Now, let's talk about, like, some practicality of a brand new uh, baby church, right, with, with zero funding. Nobody's on staff, right? We're scraping together everything we can just to rent facilities, um, and... And so oftentimes what happens is your Christmas gathering is one of the largest of the year. It's one of your largest offerings of the year. And so it's really helpful when you're a brand new church plant, right? And so as we're praying, we're aware of that. And as we're praying, we begin to hear from the Lord this message. Give it away. Now, I would really love, really love to stand up here and tell you how faithful I was right? I'd really love to be like, um, yet all I did after God said, give it away was to say, tell me who God, right? It's not what happened, right? We prayed and it was more like, say again, God, right? Like, are you, I just want to make sure I hear you correctly on where you're sending us because it sounded like you said, give that away, right? And it was really clear that as we prayed, God was saying, I, I want you to take this as you're building the foundation of your church and who you are, I want you to give this away. So then once that happened, we said, okay, where does it go? And, and as we prayed and thought about this, this, this beautiful thing kind of took form where at, from our very beginning, we wanted to be a church that um, didn't just start every ministry under the sun and recognize that Honestly, we were unqualified to do so. We wanted to stay in our lane of ministry in Clark County and also partner with and build a relationship with other organizations that are doing amazing work, right? And send our people and resources towards them as well. We don't need to do all the things, right? There's amazing thing that people are, that are already doing stuff. And guess what, friends? God is working outside of this church, right? And so at the beginning, we said, what if we chose a local organization that's doing great work 
and we gave away our weekend, and we told their story, right? And we told the story of what they were doing and why they were doing it, and then we took an offering and said, 100% of these funds from this offering goes directly to you. And so that has been a tradition from the beginning of Kesed, and it's one of my favorite traditions now. It's a beautiful one where we get to step out of the way. We give away an entire Sunday, and we say what the Lord is doing, he's often doing in the margins and the cracks. And some of those we're a part of, and others we're not. And so um, the hope is that we would become more aware of what he is doing. So here's what I want to do. I'll start with this. We're going to take an offering at the end of this. The reason we've been talking about this for weeks on end is so that you would not feel any pressure towards that. That you would just prayerfully say, am I to participate in this? There's going to be other ways to participate as well, but I want to say that from the beginning. But then what I want to do is we're going to watch a video here in just a second, like a minute long video that just gives a little bit of a foundation for what this ministry is doing. Um, It's called Live Love. And then I'll invite, at the end of that, my friend Brian Norris up, who is their executive director, to share a little bit more about Live Love. So let's watch this together. Hi, friends. My name is Brian Norris, and I'm the director here at our Live Love Outreach Center here in Vancouver, Washington. You know, I just want to take a few seconds to share what we do here to our community. One of the main things that we do is we provide a place of refuge for those in our community in need, whether it be homeless, whether it be under-resourced, whether you're just struggling and you just need a little help to get you through the week. That's what we're here for. We love our community here, and we are here to support you in many, many ways. We're open every Wednesday and Sunday where we provide food and clothing and showers, uh, groceries, uh, prayer, encouragement, and love. You know, part of that ministry is also our warming shelter and our cooling center during the summers. Uh, We're super pleased to announce that recently we have opened up Hope Village, which is a 20 tiny home village just down on Fourth Plain, where we provide housing and food again for those in our community uh, who are living in tents and are looking to transition on to something greater. So if you would like to get involved, we'd love to have you be a part of that. You can email me at briann at livinghopechurch.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-N at livinghopechurch.com. Or you can just stop by the church at any time and speak to one of our volunteers. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have your support. God bless you guys, Vancouver, and we love you. Can you guys help me welcome Brian here? So we're going to learn all about Live Love, but let's just start with you a little bit. So, um, and, and tell us a little bit about how you got involved uh, in this ministry, in this amazing organization, and found your way up to the role of executive director. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, first, let's say that was a great sermon, buddy. Oh, right? Thank you. Yeah. 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 Uh, the reason why I say that is uh, I was one of those kind of shepherds, right? Stinky mm-hmm. and in some way. I came out of a drug and alcohol kind of addicted life. And mm-hmm. uh, I was radically saved 10 plus years ago. And, you know, the Lord guided me to Living Hope Church. And you know, one thing to another to another, and Live Love was one of those where I just came in as a volunteer. Uh, I was like, there's a community that needs love. I know what that is now because I feel it, and I kind of want to give it away. And so it started with once a month. I could do that, a couple hours. Turn it uh, every other week. Turn it uh, once a week, twice a week. uh, Here we are. Praise God. Yeah, I mean, and now now you're executive director. So tell us a little bit about the work um, that Live Love does, specifically maybe just start with the population that you're aiming to most serve. Yeah, so, you know, 
you said it, all people. Uh, I mean, I could go into, we, we serve addicts, we serve mentally ill, we yeah. serve the obvious homeless community. Yeah. Uh, but there's also, and as prices are going up, we, we have a lot of people that have roofs over their head in apartments who are saying, I can pay the rent check, but I cannot fill up gas yeah. in my car to go to work next yeah. week. Or I have to choose between that or a, a meal, right? Yeah. I got to give up a meal. And mm -hmm. so what Live Love is, is all about, it's not just uh, for the homeless community, it's for yeah. all people, yeah. right? If you have a need, if you have a need, a physical need or a spiritual need, yeah. We, that's what we're about. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I, I think it's important to recognize that, just that the scope of the ministry here is not just homeless people, but there's a lot in our community that would fall under the category of those that need this sort of support. So tell us a little bit practically about the services offered, the ministry happening there kind of throughout the week. Yeah, so there's a couple different angles we'll talk about, but the first one, Live Love, uh, what it branched down as was to open twice a week, provide clothing for people. Yeah. Uh, we have a food bank. We, yeah. have, uh, we do a hot meal on yeah. all those days. Uh, showers, huge yeah. one, right? I mean, yeah. things that I take for granted. Yeah. You know, there's many times that I'll, I'll, I'll totally just get in the shower, get out, don't even think about it. There's a community out there that really, can, yeah. there's some that go. Doesn't have that opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so twice a week they have that opportunity. Yeah. Uh, one thing that really hit me, hit home though, at the get-go was somebody said, Brian, what we love most about what you do, what separates you from other outreaches is the spiritual side. Yeah. Because we do pray for people. We do share the gospel. We share the good news. We do all this. And I can't even take credit for this line, but it really hit home for me. He said, what's beautiful about it is you are not sending people with full bellies to hell. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of our model now, right? Yeah. Is we, that's not what we're in it for. We're yeah. not in it to give you a hot meal. It's a great thing to do because who doesn't like food? Yeah. But if we're not sharing Jesus with them, then yeah. you know, close our doors. I mean, that's not yeah. what we're about. So, yeah. yeah. And so you're, you're ministering to them in that way. And over this last year, you felt it necessary to expand uh, into Hope Village. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so Hope Village is uh, one of the areas that we never could really do. Uh, we'd, we'd get knocks throughout the winter uh, from people that had needs. Hey, where could you put me? Could you put me in a hotel tonight? Could you do this, that? Uh, and at a hundred and some dollars a night yeah. with the amount of people knocked on the doors, we, it just broke our heart because we did not have solution to that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, I would give a phone number out, which knowing that really there was Probably right. not a whole lot that was going to happen there. And it just really yeah. stunk, to be honest. Uh, so when the city came and put these plans out for these tiny homes, we threw our name in the hat because it was just something that we could add to what we already did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's hard to work church and state together, as we know. Yeah. But, you know, what's beautiful is we do a great job, I believe. And I think the yeah. city would say the same thing, that uh, we're, we're in it together, as yeah. Kesset is with us, to, yeah. to continue making it yeah. better. So what Hope Village is uh, 20 tiny homes. Right now we have 25 residents in those wow. 20 homes. And it's for people who are ready to transition out, right? Like yeah. Live Love, the warming shelter and all those, we love people where they're at. Mm -hmm. If you want to mm -hmm. stay in your tent, yeah. if, if, if you're not ready to transition, my yeah. job's not to judge you. My job's just to love you where you're at. Yeah. Hope Village is for the next step up. Like, yeah. hey, I'm ready to get off the drugs. Yeah. I'm ready to, to seek mental health care with my issues. Uh, but I need stability to do that. And yeah. Hope Village provides that. It provides yeah. a place where they can find stability and still hope back into their soul yeah. and then find out who God really wants them to be. Yeah. So. yeah. That, and that's a really important component I want to highlight that um, I don't know 
if I'm the only one, but there are days I'm, I'm not myself, right? I don't get enough rest. I don't eat the right things, right? And I'm, I'm, I don't live into some of the purpose and, and the callings that God has for me. And that's on just kind of temporary basis. But those that are living in that place continuously, the hurdle from going from there to um, getting a job or, or, or some of the more practical things that they need to maintain is, is huge. And so having transitional housing where you can stop just wondering if I will be warm today, if I will have food today, am I in danger today? And all those different things is, is such a huge um, uh, component of ministering to people, right? And tell us a little bit about, you've, you've talked about some of the, I mean, you guys have only been doing this for like six months now, but even in then, you've seen some fruit some, from some of the residents. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it will be public record here soon. We're super excited, but uh, at our six-month report, we have had 10 people transition into apartments. Wow. Uh, we've, yeah. but, but those are like the tangible. for that. Yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, to some of us, it may not seem like a big deal, but to, I mean, one of the coolest things uh, was... As one of those residents left, they wrote this note on because the homes are made with kind of a white wall thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dry erase marker. And she said, thank you for providing a place that I learned to smile again. Mm. And if that yeah. doesn't touch your yeah, heart, right, yeah. it's, it's yeah. amazing. And I, I shared at the earlier service that we had uh, a guy get on Fox right when we opened up. And uh, the news reporter said, tell us about your dreams, your hope. And, yeah. and it broke my heart. He just said, the streets have killed that for me. I, yeah. I have nothing. He was the first one to get into an apartment. Wow. And it's yeah. just, you know, praise God, right? Yeah. So. And, that, and again, I, I want us to just highlight how, how big of a leap that is, right? To create this space where someone who is, um, uh, the Bible tells us hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? And if you've ever experienced hopelessness, you know exactly what that means. And living in that place continuously is not where we were ever designed to live as, as image bearers of God. And, and so helping people rediscover uh, who they are in Christ and who they are as, as people with value, apart from what they can do in society, is, is, is a beautiful work. And so talk to us a little bit about, if someone hears like, hey, I'm, I'm kind of interested in what's going on there, uh, talk to us a little bit about practical ways someone could be involved in the work that you're doing. Maybe start with, um, you told me about the meal train that you guys do. Yeah, so one of those things, like you mentioned, was the meal. Um, we, every night we provide a hot meal. Um, mm-hmm. And that's through our amazing community, right? Again, mm-hmm. Hope Village is not a living hope thing. It's not a, yeah. uh, it's, it's a community thing, right? We yeah. have people yeah. who have needs. And so we ask our community to step up, go to our website, liveloveoutreach.com. You yeah. can click on meal train, select yeah. a date. Yeah. You're cooking for 25 people. And, yeah. you know, it's, I don't want to say easy because it wasn't easy for me. <laughs> I had, a, I had a, Some people here, that's the easy thing. Right? <laughs> I had to call the wife in for backup. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. but, you know, it, it's a big pot of chili, yeah. big pot yeah. of spaghetti. And again, yeah. I'll go back to who doesn't like food and yeah. a tangible way that you can say, you know what, you matter. You matter enough for me to spend a couple hours yeah. to cook a meal yeah. and to pr- pr- prepare it. And Yeah. 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 And, and one of the things I want to highlight, so um, started as a ministry uh, in a church, but uh, over the last year, you guys have made a really amazing decision to um, become your own nonprofit you know, by yourselves. And so tell us about why that was an important decision for you. Yeah, very important. Uh, so the funny part of it is, and again, I'll, I'll go back, and we've been thinking about this for years, but when we went to find insurance for Hope Village, uh, 
nobody would insure it. And as a church, uh, this should make us all a little sad, right? Is they told us there is not another group doing this anywhere for us to base it on. So we can't put the church's exposure uh, at risk. So we had to go all the way to London to the Lloyd's. Um, Some of you may have heard of Lloyd's in London. They'll insure anything. Yeah. Yeah. For the right price, yeah. and yeah. and they got the right price. There's yeah. there's somebody in Bora Bora right now yeah. on our premium, but um, <laughs> but the truth is is that they they were worried that it'd be like this knife fighting every right. night, and right. and we're like it's it's we're just providing love, we're providing yeah. a place yeah. for people to get off the streets, and yeah. it just boggled our minds that that's where it's at. But anyway, it was we had been talking about it. I am on the staff of Living Hope Church, yeah. but yeah. what's even bigger about a 501c3 and Live Love is it's a community thing, yeah. right? We don't see it as, uh, it'll stay under the umbrella of the spiritual mm-hmm. uh, Living Hope Church, but this is working with you. It's working yeah. with other organizations yeah. in our community and yeah. it's just because our vision is so much bigger. As we know, the problem's not going away. Yeah. Um, so we need to love even more and bigger. Yeah. And that may look like a, uh, uh, going into our own building, whatever yeah. it might be. We, yeah. We're trusting God with that. But uh, yeah. now we have those resources to do that, to go out and look for the grants who may not. There's a lot of organizations that will will give to uh, nonprofit, but they're yeah. not going to touch a church. Yeah. So that's yeah. one of the ways that yeah. uh, we, we can tap into that now. Because, yeah. again, it, it is a huge need. Well, that's a great thing to highlight. Um, I don't think I need to do any work to convince anyone here that this is an issue in our culture, right? Now, if anyone here had the one solution, I think you would have shared it and we would have fixed this, right? But what we recognize is that this is an incredibly nuanced issue that requires a high level of creativity. And and I want to just say... I think it's an incredibly brave decision that they've made to, to kind of branch out on their own to some degree. And, and um, what that does is allows them to be as creative as possible and to go wherever the need is, right? Whatever programs that they can develop, that it isn't just uh, we're a ministry inside of a church, but we can go beyond that. And so I think that's incredibly brave and scary, um, and, but beautiful all at the same time because the solutions to this will be creative. Right? It's not just one, just one switch that we flip. It will be people showing up in love, learning, right? growing, uh, listening to the needs and seeing how um, we show up in love. And so I think that's a really beautiful thing. Uh, we've been, if you've been here a part of Kesed for some years, you've heard of this organization before. Last few years we've, won, uh, we've run uh, some sort of drive for um, resources, be it coats or, or, or uh, jackets or socks or things like that. But this year we wanted to kind of take some time to tell the story of the ministry. And um, in a second, I'm going to have our worship team come out, and we're going to close in some worship, and I'm going to ask Brian to close us in prayer. But let me give you a little um, practical on what's next, and then um, a little beyond that as well. So when you came in, you were handed one of these red envelopes. Well, we're not, we're not going to pass an offering or anything. We would just love for you during this time, during this time of worship, to pray about whether you're feeling led to participate generously and to give towards this organization. And so what you would do, you put your cash or check inside of this envelope. Just a reminder, though, what you will do is you'll, you'll make the, the check out to Kesset, and then we will combine all the, the funds with our team and give that to them. And then um, also... In your seats here, there's a QR code, and there'll be one on the screen as well if you want to give online. But 100% of these funds will go towards this organization. And then if you have an envelope that you want to give, there'll be team members as you leave with red aprons on, and you'll just drop that in there. 
But let's talk about just really quick as we close the practical side of things. Maybe you're sitting in here and you're listening and your heart is stirred, but you know that maybe this isn't your calling, right? That doesn't mean this message in this weekend is not for you also. See, everyone has a place in their life that they are called to be good news to someone. So for some of us right now, you need to recognize we're sitting on stage, someone who showed up to a ministry, right? Just showing up to serve. And over time, God did something in his heart that over time brought him, um, it broke his heart open. And now he finds himself leading it, right? This guy over here showed up at a youth group as a crazy wild 21 year old, and they needed somebody who could uh, move chairs around and I was strong enough to do so. And that's how I got my start in ministry as well. So I say that friends, because some of us are waiting for God to give us the perfect puzzle piece for our purpose. You're waiting right now and you're waiting for him to give the opportunity that fits exactly with where you're at right now. And some of us, we just need to show up and serve and see what God does in our hearts. So maybe that's in this ministry. Maybe that's inside of this church. Maybe that's inside of your world. If you, but I pray and I hope that over this, this closing worship time and even this Christmas week that you spend some time listening. Where is God sending you? right? So that you can be good news to someone, right? So we would just love for you to ponder that um, this Christmas season. So Brian, would you pray for us to close as we enter into our worship? Yeah, thank you. So Father God, we just thank you for this time together, God. We thank you, Father, that you did bring the good news, God, to all people, Father. You brought it to me, to a drunk many years ago, God, because you'd see the man standing here today, God. And you did that for all people, Lord, for everyone in here, God. Father, every one of us has a story that we can look back on and say, thank you, Jesus, that you've came to us, God. Lord, I pray for each person here. I pray for Kesset Church, and I thank you, God, for their generosity, God. I thank you, God, and I pray for a blessing upon this church, God, that you continue doing the work in Clark County through each and every one of them, God. God, we pray for your hand of favor to continue on with live love, God, and we just give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You guys help me think, Ryan. All right, church, why don't we stand up as we close out our service with one more worship song, as we sing together as a family, okay? Before I spoke a word, you singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. We thank you. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Yes, you did. You have been so, so kind to me. Still you give yourself 
little shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me, no There's no shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me there's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no love of God I know it doesn't sound good it's not reckless but it describes just how much he loves each and every one of us there's just no words that can describe it and he sent his only son and that's what we're celebrating this season God we love you we thank you so much for loving us that much you guys have a great day if we don't see you on the candlelight uh, Christmas Eve Eve service We'll see you next Sunday. Well, actually, we won't. Sorry. We'll see you the following week. Ah!